All right, we're lock and loaded. Uh, post Stanley Cup final, Purple Moose podcast. Here we are. We have this is one of a two part series that we're going to bang out in the next week. Here, this is uh, this is the post Stanley Cup final, the NHL draft. Uh, the next podcast is going to be free agency and maybe some previews for next year. Um, but Jeff. We're back in business. It's been a while, baby. It has been a while. I mean, it's been what since since early May. Since early May, you know, and, and uh, we're we're back in action. We're gonna recap a lot today, uh, folks. So have have a have a cold one or two. Uh, oh yeah, you're gonna want to you want you're gonna want to rip back a cold one or two. Absolutely. Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly, uh, but but please have fun too. Absolutely. I, I want to start this podcast off by saying, you know, I'm really excited about one thing and one thing only right now yeah the fact that uh you know we have never been able to play hockey together you mm-hmm. know since i was four years older than you mm-hmm. and uh recently we've been playing like a little men's league beer league together and we won the championship which everyone's like it's a beer league championship who gives a shit like it, you know whatever like you know you know you're try hard whatever but we played sh- like literally shorthanded this entire game against a team that had not even been close to getting beat undefeated the entire session uh, with my wife and my uh, in-laws in the stands too uh, in the first championship game I played with my brother I don't care what level it is and we fucking won we won 4-3 we played a hell of a goddamn game you played amazing uh, and we took on the W took on the trophy how do you feel? Like, what- I, I, I feel great uh, you played a hell of a game uh, scored a uh- Scored a goal, went coast to coast. That was that was a beaut. Um, I thought our team played the best uh, game out of the entire uh, session. Uh, we just kept peppering them with shots. Uh, you know, we were in their zone for the majority of the game. I'd say we we wanted it more. I felt yeah, like. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I felt like we just went after it a lot more than the other squad. I, you know, I felt like too. Like in the beginning of the game, I felt like they were just letting us take shots because their focal point of, of their game is their goaltender. They had a tremendous goaltender, but. You know, all of a sudden, they're not turning the wheels on. They're not bringing it in our zone a lot, and we keep firing it back out. And, you know, they tied it up. They scored those two quick goals in the last minute of the second period, and I was, I was a little bit nervous. But, like I said, I, I wanted to go out there and, and play a hard game. You played a hell of a game, too. You were just – I mean, you were all over them, and, and especially chasing them down, forechecking like a goddamn madman. Um, cheers. Cheers. Hey, cheers for our cheers. first ever trophy together. Hey, hey cheers. Cheers, Broski. Now, speaking oh. speaking of cheers, um, we got the beer of the podcast today. Uh, Surly Furious. Uh, how, how, how's the first taste? You know what? Surly Furious is one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I love Surly beer. I mean, we're going to do it up. We're going to do it big. I think for next week, I'm going to pull a little rabbit out of my hat and pull a good beer, too, in there. But a couple Surly Pounders, I mean, this is this is the best way to start a podcast. I, I couldn't agree more. And this is uh, awesome. So thank you for bringing these. I appreciate that. To get us, you know, off and running, 2018 Stanley Cup champions, the team that no one ever thought was going to win it in the Ovechkin era, the Washington Capitals. You know, that a, a quick little stick tap to them. Absolutely. Yeah, Played absolutely. Out of their mind. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to start off by just saying, like, there's so much we can talk about. I kind of want to keep this brief. I, we're at the end of June. They won it in the beginning of June. You know, this is, this is old news, but... Ovechkin played his ass off. You know, oh, yeah. He, played, he finally is playing a, a two-way game in the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the TJ Oshie signing, which we both thought was an overpayment by a mile, he proved to just 
paying space for them. And if you're going to pay a guy eight years at that amount and salary cap your team, you might as well win a cup. You know what I mean? you, you, so, you got to make it worthwhile. Make it worthwhile. And they absolutely did. Um, I can't wait to talk about their offseason because I think it's the best offseason you know, they possibly could have. But, man, did they – you know what? They just – they came in there. They played hard. It was guys like Devon Smith-Pelly, um, uh, John Carlson. Jacob Vrana. Jacob Vrana, uh, uh, Burkowski. Like, everyone was contributing – and it was such a cool thing to see him lift the cup. Actually, like, it, it's I, I, I got chills. I 100 yeah, percent got chills. Well, I I it's always like cool to see the the, the the people lifting the cup, especially the captain, and, and seeing Obi lift the cup. That was that was really cool. I mean, it's just like it just never gets old. No, that whole tradition never no. gets old. The, my my I would say my top five, and I actually like to I'll go top five just to do it. Uh, Crosby's first one, uh, just because that game seven was so unbelievable. That, that, that was one of the best games I've ever watched my entire oh, life. Oh, absolutely. I uh, got chills that time, too. Number number four would be when Ray Bork held it up. Okay. That was awesome for me, and I thought that was such an amazing thing. Although I thought he had such a stacked team, it was like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, Madonna holding it up when they beat the Buffalo Sabres. Because Mike Madonna was a Minnesota guy. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He played with the North Stars forever ago, so I love that, too. Um, Ovechkin, he was in that two spot. I, I, I felt the emotion. Like, this was a yeah. guy who had, you know, he wasn't a 200-foot player. He wasn't a two-way guy. But he literally might go down as the greatest goal scorer of all time. Oh, absolutely. And for him to carry the team on his back and play so hard over the last, you know, number of years is amazing. Number one, the greatest thing of all time is watching Kaner hold it up after they won it in 2010. <laughs> I knew that would be your yeah, that, Oh, You know what? Because well, my, my favorite memory of all time was watching him skate full speed down, break through his own guys, and go and just jump on top of Antti Niemi. Yeah. And he's sitting there going crazy. That was the coolest feeling ever. And I will say, too, that wasn't my favorite Stanley Cup win. 13 was my favorite by a mile. Yeah, that was that was that was uh, that was one of my favorites too. I mean, just because of like what what happened that last yeah the, two minutes. It was more so 17 seconds. 17 seconds. It was it was. Yeah. I just I that's that was unbelievable how that game finished. Um, but yeah, like the the Kaner uh, 2010 victory. I mean that. I didn't see that live, but when I saw the replay, I'm like, I, I got chills too. And you see a replay, you kind of, you, you, you get still chills. get chills. I mean, I, I was up in St. Cloud, obviously, watching. This is right for, uh, this is my, I was doing summer semester up there trying to graduate. And uh, um, I was with uh, Rick Welch, who was a diehard Blackhawks fan. He's from Chicago too. So we were both cheering our asses off. And a, a buddy of ours, Cole Lander, um, who's also a Chicago guy too. So we had, Peter Kopp was there too, so we had Peter Kopp who was talking shit. We had Cole Lander, myself, and Rick who were loving it, um, and, and we were like jumping up and down. We didn't know what happened. Everyone celebrating. No one saw it go in. It was so confusing. That was that, that, that was a little that was kind of weird at the same time too because they people were like, did that go in? Because it was just it happened. It so quick. two two and a half minutes, and the, everyone was celebrating, and they finally like it basically went underneath and it went under like they had to the pull it all the way down the padding and pull it up, but they grabbed it. Uh, but that was so cool to see him win it because it was like, you know, it was like being a Hawks fan forever and watching it get, like, close and close and close and close. And then it was like, you know, especially, like, when Ronick Ronick had the team, you know, it's like Ronick, Chelly, Belfour, you know, it's like Amante, fucking Jeff Shantz. And they, they, <laughs> and they had a good team, and, and mm-hmm. they couldn't do it, like, in the early 90s. I think they lost to the Penguins. Um, and that's kind of sad, too, because the Penguins also beat the North Stars as well. But... 
really a Midwest killer. But you know what? It was just such an amazing thing. I don't want to keep going off track here. Ovechkin, congratulations. We're yeah. a big uh, beer pound yeah, to that. Congrats to Ovi uh, and the Caps. I mean, that, that's that's awesome for that franchise to finally get over the hump after so many years of frustration and and choking in the in the first uh, in second round. So to see this team, you know, after you know last year they, they that was supposed to be the year to win, and for them to, to go in there as a dark horse to, kind of well, person, yeah, this was the no perfect, expectation. Yeah, this was the perfect year for them to win the cup because there were no big expectations on them, and yet they're kind of flying on the radar. People had you know Tampa, Winnipeg, Nashville, whoever else to go far and win the cup, but you know the Capitals they they played such a great defensive game too, and really just. You know, held opponents um, yeah in the, in the neutral zone and played that that, that part of their game really well. Uh, everything everything just went well for them. And and a guy to say one guy, uh, Holpe, man, that guy he he deserves some big recognition for you what know he, he has did. always been one of like the most underrated I think top end goaltenders and he has his streaks every goaltender does. But people are talking about him as being just like garbage and he was. You look at his statistics regular season, you know, and, and they're like we cannot start this guy, but he gamed and I think that's yeah. going to propel him next year to be that you know Vesna caliber goaltender again. Uh, but congratulations to him too. Congratulations to TJ Oshie. Uh, his speech about his father after the game brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. I mean that was pretty incredible. Uh, everyone. Uh-huh. Everyone, you know, especially at our age, a lot of people have, you know, family members who are sick and family members who aren't doing well. And, you know, for him to kind of just be open and and honest and talk about his dad, I thought that was a really, you know, special moment. So uh, stick tap to him. Obviously, I also want to say, too, and I would usually not say it, but, you know, I really think that there are very few people in the NHL that would deserve this. But I really want to give a big, you know, stick tap to, to Ted Leonis. I mean, he really has... You know, the, he's the owner of the Washington Capitals. He has put so much money and effort and time and energy into making that a first-class world organization. He cares about his players. He's willing to go to the cap. He's willing to do anything to, to make mm-hmm. them be successful. He's not just looking to try to make a buck. Um, really, really happy for him, too, because he's one of the good ones. You, yeah, know, you, you don't have a lot absolutely. of them. Um, I always think, like, Rocky Wirtz in there, too, and um, – the old owners of the uh, Detroit Red Wings, uh, the po- the Illiches, the Illiches, uh, another one too. But these aren't these like shithead, you know, crappy owners now that are like, you know, every little thing they do is to make a buck and they want to run a budget team and this stuff. He he spent the money, he did everything he could, he upgraded the facilities. So, congratulations to him as well. A, a cup deserving of him too. A- absolutely. Um, and then just want to. Send a big congrats to the runner-up, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, obviously, no one expected them to go this far. It's just unbelievable what they did this year. Um, you know, there's going to be changes coming for this squad, uh, but you know what? They made a one. They made one hell of a run, and their, yeah. their, their, their fan base has a lot to be proud of. Yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to kind of talk about them because there's going to have so much change. There's, there's already start to be in like talk of David Perron and James Neal both leaving. You need to talk about not the botch, but the, the failed. Uh, Eric Larson, Eric Larson acquisition that they could have had, and we can talk about that in a bit. But man, you know, you gotta give your hats off to them. They played an incredible season. It's gonna be a movie. They are the most uh, accomplished first year expansion team in pro sports in the history of pro sports in the United States. So yep. nothing short of miraculous. And they have a good team. They've got a ton of prospects. Um, little disappointed in the draft that they couldn't move some stuff around and, and start to recoup because they honestly I thought after last year having all these picks and then going in this year with having a ton of picks they gave a lot of those up and they really had what I thought was one of the worst draft classes 
um, which is disappointing, and I don't want to end on a, a sad note, but hey, congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights to, to foray that into the NHL draft. Um, uh, NHL draft was interesting this year. Uh, it was one that we thought was going to be full of moves. You know, there's these harbingers hanging over everyone's head of, you know, John Tavares, Ilya Kovalchuk, um, the possible Eric Carlson move. There's all these things that are, you know, going to happen. John Carlson's up there too. And it was probably one of the most boring drafts in the history of the last 30 years. Well, here's what I'll say about the draft. I, I will say, yes, uh, it was uh, one of the least exciting drafts I've watched because of the lack of trades that went down. You only saw two really good, decent trades. The, the Grubauer or pick to the Avalanche and them. Dougie, Doug, my boy Dougie going to the Hurricanes. Yeah, I want to talk about the Dougie thing in a minute here, but that was a day two trade, and that's really yeah. hard. You're talking about opening trades. Okay. Philip Grubauer is the marquee name that goes when, you know, Jeff Skinner's out there, all these guys going out there, and Carolina made a move. Um, yeah, it was kind of a boring draft. Now, but, I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to throw it out there. Although I, I was really intrigued. I'm, I, I really, they, they were saying it's kind of a kind of deep draft class, draft class I think that we could you know I watched the whole draft and I think we could see some guys come out and be superstars in this draft I'm really looking forward to what these guys have I, I am too and not to cut you off our, the way I look at this draft is kind of interesting because so I started like doing my homework and started looking at the 2013 draft which was supposed to be the most stat class since 03 maybe the most stat class of all time and it's always interesting that the names. It's always the names you remember, right? The guys that were pre-scouted out, the ones that are supposed to go high, the teams that got the good picks, you know what I mean? Mm. Those guys aren't, you know, the 13 draft was great. It was not the 03 draft, not even close. It was good, though. Yeah. This draft reminds me a lot of that draft where there was a ton of what I thought high-quality players. There was one game-changing player. There was one... You know, if you want to call him the Connor McDavid on defense, I think that's an appropriate comment. Yeah. Rasmus Dahlin, uh, and you start watching him at training camp, he is a man among boys. I think he's going to propel him in the playoffs, you know, especially with the hearing that, and we'll talk about this in a second, they're going to sign Carter Hutton and then pull up Linus Allmark. I mean, that's not a bad tandem. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous that they don't have some veteran leadership on the, on the goaltending, but... It's Rasmus Dolan completely changes what that team looks like. Yeah. And they haven't traded Ryan O'Reilly yet, which I love. Yeah. No, it's it's going to be interesting what they do these next couple days here because they could very well trade Ryan O'Reilly. But, you know, what I hear is I think they want to keep O'Reilly for the next couple seasons as at least for Eichel and then Middlestad. Yeah. I've been seeing videos of Middlestad and he's, he's, lights he, out. he's like tearing it up in development camp right now. They, they, got, they got a good core moving forward. I, I think they're going to still need to add another piece or two on defense uh, yeah. to help out Hutton and well, I, uh, soon to be Hutton and Olmark. I, I think, too, it's, it's not only adding. I think it's almost attracting because they, they have an influx. You know, they made a nice little trade. And I'm, we're going to kind of talk about draft and trades all in this one like spear here. You know, they made a trade and, got, and grabbed Connor Sheary and uh, Matt Hunwick. And Hunwick, they're, I'm assuming they're just going to drop or throw in the minors, which is totally fine. He's yeah. not what they what the Penguins thought he have. But getting Connor Sheary for a fourth-round pick is absolutely great. Yeah. He's a fast, speedy winger. He's getting paid a little bit of money, but he's the type of guy you can plug in on those second or third lines that can be a real difference maker in my eyes. I love that trade. Now, when I look at their defense, to me, there's they've got a bunch of guys that I think are going to be playing really well. Um, you, know, you look at like where they have um, – so they have basically Arisalainen and uh, Dolan on the top line. 
The second pairing, if I'm not mistaken, um, is going to be who, who I'm missing the name. Oh, right. Bogosian. No, Bogosian. I hear is the one that's out right now. Yeah. Um, I know Casey Nelson and Casey Nelson, Jake McCabe. Jake McCabe are the third pairing. Yeah. They have a second slot. And why am I blanking on the names right now? I just I, read this the other day. I I thought I saw this on the other day. I I um I'm kind of blanking too. But what I was going to say is that they actually have a, a nice top six or a nice six defenseman that they have, and Bogosia might be the one that might be the seventh. But they got to get Hunwick out. They've got a couple other guys, too, that they were going to want to move on from. Uh, Nathan Boyer, uh, he's one, too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think they're a playoff team this year. And the only reason I say that is because I think you watch the stars align. Mm-hmm. You know, for me personally, like, you look at a team like has kind of Zem, uh, Zeg, Zeg, Zemmes Gergensen's. Zemgis Gergensen's. Yeah, Zemmes Gergensen's as your fourth-line center. Um, that's a fucking good team. Yeah. I always liked him. I always thought he was put in an expanded role. Maybe not a good fit. Him is your fourth C. Uh, Middlestad is your third C. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is your second C. And then Eichel is your, Eichel is your first. Yeah. Uh, the defenseman, Scandella. Scandella. Sorry. Yeah. Scandella. Scandella. And then I think they liked Casey Nelson on that second pairing. There's another guy they had as a draft pick. Who We can't go into it. It's going to take forever. Um, but you're right. Scandella was the other guy, too. But they're starting to look a little bit better. Um so, yeah, they, they had a home run hit. I, I like the Carolina Hurricanes uh, picking up Sveshnikov. Uh, I would like to talk to you about this Dougie Hamilton trade because I want to get your opinion on this. This trade, at, at the beginning, really surprising because it, at first glance, I actually thought Carolina kind of took a hit on this trade just because Michael Furlan I never really liked. I know he throws up 40 points a season, but I always feel like they were kind of like garbage points in a lot of regards to secondary assists, shit like that. Uh, Adam Fox was a player who everyone's saying was their top prospect, although it was clear that he told Calgary when he was going to Harvard he wasn't going to sign with them. And so they were like, all right, then he's really worth nothing to us. Yeah. Um, and then Dougie Hamilton, too, who I, I think is a, is a, is a top-end defenseman. Um, and I was a little bit surprised that they gave up uh, Noah Hannafin, who I really like, but apparently a lot of people don't love him as much as I do. I think he's good. I think he's going to be blossoming to a great defenseman. Yeah. And then Elias Lindholm, who, to me, I thought he was, you know, again, you're looking at uh, two former fifth overall picks. Uh, they have the draft pedigree. They've played good minutes. That You know, uh, the thing about Hannafin is he hasn't been – you know, a, a game-changing defenseman, but he's also played more minutes than anyone has since he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. So, um, in terms of uh, games played, what would your thoughts on this trade? Kind of bring me through what you're, you're feeling on this one. Well, I, f- I feel like um, Calgary won this trade, to be perfectly honest, because they got another good top-four defenseman, Hanfin, and they bring Elias Lindholm, who could play on that third or second line, because they now have a good center core in Monaghan, Backlund, and uh, Elias Lindholm. Yeah. Although, and then, but, you you know, you do have a, a really good defenseman, Dougie, going back to the Hurricanes, who can quarterback that power play, and, and he's just a game changer. Um, but, yeah, the two other players, uh, Furland is kind of more bottom six player. Uh, he's, a, Adam, he's, he's a great bottom six player, but... You know, a bottom six player, and I'm not, I won't interrupt you again, I apologize. A bottom six player, to me, is only good when you plug him into a team that's a contender. Mm-hmm. I hate teams that, like, you know, this is, we'll talk about Vancouver. Remind me to talk about Vancouver. Because okay. what I'm hearing with them in free agency and Detroit blows my mind. Anyways, I apologize. Please go ahead. I'm sorry, Jeff. Do your thing. Talk about Dougie Hamilton. That's your boy. Well, my boy, Dougie, going to the Hurricanes. I was hoping he would go to some other team, like, 
Buffalo or Minnesota or Chicago or Chicago. But I'm happy for for wherever wherever Dougie goes because you know Dougie's my boy. I love I, Dougie too. Did Dougie? He's he's going to be their number one defenseman. He's he's going to be their quarterback of the power play. He's going to help their team out offensively. What does this mean for Justin Falk? I think he's going to get shipped out, and I think the team that he gets shipped out is Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to work on a deal like you like. like well, we had talked about this in an earlier podcast about like the potential trade of Stahl and Brodine for Skinner and Hannafin. Well, Hannafin's out. I'd say Falk, you throw Falk in there. I would love to see Falk and Skin Dog go to the wild. Oh, Skin Dog. I'm a Skin Dog fan. <laughs> I agree with that. I was a little bit surprised that Hannafin went on the way out because I actually liked Hannafin. But from what I heard, and this goes back to this owner's comment, that... Tom Rundin now runs and owns the Carolina Hurricanes. And you get these guys who have never owned a pro team before, and they want to come in, they want to take their dick, and they want to slap it on the table and say, here's what I'm going to do. Mine's bigger than yours. I'm going to show you how to run an organization. They have no background in running one. Right. So what do they do? They fire the whole coaching staff, right, which is I thought was a piss-poor move. And, and Bill Peters actually left because he didn't want to be under Tom Rundin. But – you know, hiring Brindamore, I wasn't super huge on that. Don Waddell actually is, I think, a good GM, although Don Waddell, Don Waddell never gets over the hump. He's one of those guys that can make competent moves, but he never elevates his team to win a championship. Yeah. So I'm not super huge on him, but you know what? They get they they ha- they said they're going to make trades. Skinner is still on the team, which is surprising. Hannafin and Elias Lindholm both were having a really hard time, um, apparently, in the conversations in terms of an extension, which you're fucking RFAs. Are you serious? Like, your first-year RFAs are having trouble, like, extension. Like, I heard about that, too. That, 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 it blows that, my mind. Like, my these, mind. Aren't, like, these aren't guys in, like, their second R if they sign, like, a bridge deal. These are guys, like, in their first RF cycle, like, having a hard time negotiating a contract. Like, that means that you guys are so off because your owner is cheap. That's what I always think. And then, worst of all... Carolina unveiled, in my eyes, the worst third jerseys I've seen in a long time. I hated those. Did you like them? Yeah, I wasn't too, too. The logo. Okay, so the Carolina Hurricanes unveiled a very cool template for a jersey. It's got almost like these gray, like kind of like ghost shoulders with black and red. And I love that. I love Mm. this like kind of look. It's very uh, all-star game retro Reebok type look. Mm. I like that. But this logo... It's like basically if you drew an F on someone's jersey and it hits at all these weird points, there's no like, you know, symmetry to it. That's their logo. I don't like the logo. No, I don't like their logo. I would have loved the two like flags like kind of, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Anyways, I, I'm really confused by this move in a lot of regards because after first thinking that Calgary won it, then I look at how good Dougie Hamilton is and then we start hearing about stuff in the Calgary news that he's a weird kid and this is the second time we've heard it too and I don't believe anything when it comes out of Boston anymore when it's like, Oh, he's not a good mesh guy. He does this because you, you trade away Phil Kessel, who's won two Stanley Cups. You trade away Tyler Sagan, who is one of the most elite players in the league. And you trade away one of the best defensemen in this league in his prime and Dougie Hamilton. I don't believe shit that Boston says. But, you know, I'm here. I'm reading other articles. And I'm starting to, like, kind of understand it. You know, where people are saying, like, look, beat writers aren't available to be in locker rooms. They don't understand, like, the chemistry in there. Dougie Hamilton just does not, like, from what I've heard, it's not that he doesn't like his teammates. He doesn't care about the camaraderie as much. He's the type of guy who's, from what I've heard, like a little more flighty, a little bit more kind of like does his own thing. Like he likes to go to museums, which I think is such a stupid comment. Who cares if a, if a 23-year-old likes to go to museums? Jesus Christ, let him go to a fucking museum. But 
Um, it, it, to me, it's like all this like back and forth of the, his type of personality. And I just thought it was, you know, I guess if the throw was Adam Fox on Calgary's side and they knew they weren't going to sign him, it was a good trade for them to get younger and get an established top six forward, which I think Lindholm is. Now, if they utilize him on the wing, then I think it's kind of a win for Carolina because Carolina gets the best player available. Yeah. In I, prime years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this whole Justin Falk thing can, it confuses me a little bit because I would have loved to see them trade away the Falk-Skinner combo, which you were talking about, and keep um, Hannafin and then have someone else you know come in. But... Minnesota is a team we need to talk about because they are absolutely sitting on their thumbs. You know what's so right now, and we've discussed this before. Well, now with the new GM uh, Paul Fenn, actually, I, I don't, I don't know if I, I think we did talk about it on the last podcast about Fenn becoming the new GM. Well, congratulations to Fenton too. Fenton's a longtime guy in the industry. Uh, he deserves it. He has ties to uh, Craig Leopold, the owner of the Minnesota Wild. Um, I like his pedigree, although I, I sometimes I get a little bit nervous about these assistant GMs that get the spot because you know it's it's almost like they're basically saying well paul fenton was behind all the drafting and developing it was like no fuck asses like literally david pool makes the decisions and he has made some very good decisions in his career that's why he is the longest tenured gm might he's gonna go in the hall of fame too yeah, yeah. you know regardless if he wins a cup or not but so there's always supporting cast there and it's a teamwork type thing but Paul Fenton was the one I really wanted because I liked his idea of drafting and developing, although I did not like Craig Leopold's message of we can be competitive in three and four years. You absolutely cannot. You cannot win a cup, and I'm going to say this, and people are going to hate me. You can't win a cup when you're spending $16 million on Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. No. I mean, I'm sorry. That was a very – that was – I'll never – Never, never in a million years said that was a bad signing. No, I mean, that was, in my eyes, Chuck's best move when he was the GM of the Wild. But here's the thing. That, could, that, that took the value of the, of the organization through through the roof. The right. owners got a lot of money off that, and I love Zach Parisi, but Zach Parisi's fucking injured all the time. Ryan Suter is not going to last through that contract. No. He is old, and he is fucking tired. He yeah. has logged more minutes than any NHL defenseman has in the last 15 years. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the other thing, too, is your window to win was these past five or six years or this six-year playoff run. And that has gone away. Only two playoff series wins. So now now that you have a new GM, he's really no one is safe on that team, in my eyes. No, and no one should be safe on no, that no team. No one. Because really, the, that, that break, going into the next season with that same court, you, you're not going anywhere. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. There are moves you can make to be more competitive. And I think they're a good regular season team. I think they're going to get over the hump. I believe this. But mm-hmm. what I think is... You have to, as an organization, try to make the big play. Absolutely. This is not a game where you're going to play the Chuck Fletcher game where they bought Ennis today, too, by the way. Wasting cap space on Tyler Ennis. Who, I, again, that was that was probably the worst one of, trade. One of Chuck's worst moves. Oh, I, I absolutely could not. I hated that trade when it happened. I liked Marco Scandella. I thought Marco Scandella was a dream pick to have come in and be a minute munching uh, great NHL defenseman in the second round they got him when they were not doing good in those in those drafts those between 08 and 2012 in my eyes personally but 
Trade him away for Tyler Ennis, who Tyler Ennis was overpaid off of one good year. And then I like Marcus Slano. I like him a lot. I yeah. Like, he, he provides sand, but man, did Buffalo get a better deal on that. Yeah. I mean, people were like, well, they got rid of cap space. Well, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You brought, you brought in uh, Ennis, who eats up a lot of cap. People get people get really pissed when you have to spend cap space on one certain area, but it's like who cares? The cap's a cap. Like I like Scandell a lot, and I thought they could have. Oh, man, God. there's Palm- so many. Oh. Palmerville, man, they, you know it's funny. And I, he had a great year. Yeah, he had a great year with Buffalo. I mean, and, you know, and that's the other thing too. Like I like I like the move so much on Buffalo's part because Palmerville is a guy who brought experience and leadership to some of the young kids playing on like Eichel, Reinhardt, O'Reilly's line. And then you had Scandell, who they absolutely needed, a top four defenseman. And, and all they had to ship off was a bad contract and a third-line energy guy. And Yeah. And then the big, obviously, you know, they... It, I, and there's, they, there's nothing to say. Chuck Fletcher, it was a horrible move. And, and you was. look at Pominville. I was looking at the stats, and I was like, you know what? People want him to be this game-changing wing. And that's the problem with Minnesota sports is... You acquire a guy, and they think he's going to be the next Patrick Kane. He's going to be the next, you know, Drew Doughty, the next, you know, freaking Eric Carlson, the next, you know, Henrik Lundqvist. Every single piece they bring in, they expect him to be the best at that position, and that's not true. You have to go out and spend to get these guys. Yeah. So my opinion, and it always has been this, is New York Islanders or New York Rangers are having a fire sale. How do you not go out there and offer the moon to get a Ryan McDonough? Yeah, seriously. How do you not get that guy to come here and you get your number one defenseman that you, you so dearly need? Mm. Same bullshit that I saw with the Taylor, uh, Taylor Hall. Hall move. I hated that because Jonas Brody, in my eyes, and in the eyes of everyone, is better than Adam Larson. Yeah. How did you not at least get Ryan Nugent Hopkins out of that deal? Oh, I've been pushing for the while to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins for so long. And hey, it can still happen, but I'm not hearing his name in rumor mills, but you never know. I think that you should get a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins because Edmonton's a team that needs wingers and defensemen, which the Wild have. I, you need a guy like Nugent, who's 25 years old right now. He's still, he hasn't hit his prime yet. I think he just needs a new change of scenery. Matt Dumba, Jason Zucker, four, you're going to hate this. Okay. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oscar Clefboom. You were talking. You would. You talk highly about Clefboom, but his numbers aren't as good as you think they are. Well, I. So first of all, I'm kind of more high on Dumba. I kind of. I'm one of the guys who thinks one guy you don't want to trade on the wild is Dumba because he he reminds me so much of Brent Burns, and I don't. I do not want them to go down that path again to uh, trade away but, a potential uh, another. I have Brent a question Burns. for you. Okay. But would Brett Burns be Brett Burns today if he stayed in the wild? I don't think so. By a mile. He got on a team that was a perennial playoff contender Mm -hmm. in a system that allowed him to Mm -hmm. play between the first two years, wing and defenseman, and he was good on defenseman. He quarterbacked their power play. He had fucking goddamn, you know, Joe Thornton. Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski. Logan Couture. Patrick Marlowe back in the day. He had an absolute litany of players in front of him to make him better. Yeah. Brett Burns stays in Minnesota. He still is a great defenseman. They're number one, but they're never going to get Suter and Parisi off that. that. Yeah, that is true. You know, it's but it's it's tough. You just you just never know what can happen when you. You don't know what's going to happen, but I love Dumba too. Dumba is one of my favorites. I love him, but you know, th- this is the point where 
you can go down two paths, okay, if you've missed it a while. You can go down the path, you know, of least resistance where you start trading players around and make a minimal, you know, improvement to your roster and go through five more years of mediocrity. Or you can make the hard decisions, which I really like that Chuck Fletcher made when he came in here. Uh, and it, it turned the team around a lot. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah did, did Devin Setaguchi, Zach Phillips, and Danny Heatley work out for him? No. But he got Charlie Coyle, who did, and helped him land a couple big free agents, and they made the playoffs, and he also landed Dubnik. Like, it, it's, it's taking a chance at something. And mm-hmm. their roster is not good enough. A lot of teams' rosters in the NHL are not good enough right now. Chicago's one of them. Everyone always says, like, Foss, you talk Chicago. Chicago, you love Chicago. I love Chicago. Their roster is not good enough today. No. Yeah. And and we're not talking Chicago today. There's no reason for us to. We won't. But Minnesota's roster is not good enough, and you have a lot of pieces that people want, but you need to put together a plan to get somebody out there that makes sense. And that's when I always get pissed when you, you know, you're making these trades where you're trading away draft picks and prospects, and then you get a guy like Matt Molson or Chris Stewart, and it's like, Jesus Christ, grab an established winger. Grab Evander Kane. Yeah. How do you not get Evander Kane? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. play the game. It's like, just take a shot. You know, lose assets. I'm so tired of this whole, you know, uh, short-sighted view of how you're going to win a championship. Teams make hard decisions, and and Chuck Fletcher, after getting Parisian Suter, only made the easy decision, and that's why he was fired. Well, and, and but just you, you know, but that's you make a good point there because look at what Pittsburgh has done. They haven't had a drafted a first round player since Kasperi Kapan in 2014, and yet he got traded two years later. Literally, the last first, the the youngest first rounder they have on their team is Oli Mata back from 2012. They have consistently traded away first round picks to try to be competitive, and it's paid off by for them winning two cups. Yeah. At some point, though, they're going to have to. They have to restock. They have to restock the, the cover. Th- yeah, exactly. But 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 like Jim Rutherford said when they traded for Brassard, they go, "We're here to win now." I mean, you got to You got to You have Crosby, Malkin hit in their prime right now. You got to just go for it right now, which is what I like. And he's going to keep shoveling draft picks and stuff on there, and they're going to go for it. And, and it's funny too. The whole point of what we're saying is is really interesting because nothing matters unless you're winning. Mm -hmm. And for uh, uh, Ray Shiro, it was like, what are you doing? You know, your team sucks. They're not making it. And all of a sudden, he gets fired. They they bring on Jim Rutherford, which is supposed to be a two-year gap. And then all of a sudden, he is playing. You know, he just made the right moves. Yeah. And right now, yeah, you're going to every season. I love Broussard because I get Broussard for another year. Broussard's a great player. They have a good team. And I really think they're going to come back, you know, harder than ever this year. I think they're going to get Ryan Reeves back. I think they want Ryan Reeves back. That's a side comment. I like Ryan Reeves. Now, I used to hate him because I, I realized this. There's two teams in the NHL that if the player goes to these teams, I hate them, and it's St. Louis and Detroit. Mm-hmm. They play for St. Louis and Detroit, I fucking hate them. And when Ryan Reeves was in St. Louis, I hated him. But watching Ryan Reeves play with Pittsburgh in the early season, I loved his role. Yeah. You know? Like, he's just such a glue guy. Um, so, congratulations on you, Ryan Reeves, for having a phenomenal season. Uh, you're an absolute beauty. I can't wait to see what happens in free agency. Hope you go back to a team like Pittsburgh or stay with Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to do a lot of damage. You're yeah. a beauty. Um, but, you know, you're right. You, At the end of the day, you have to make a move. Right. Absolutely. You got it. You got you to gotta pull the trigger at some point. And that's where I've, you know, again, it, 
you got you got to take chances. You got you got to go for it, which is why I don't you know I know Wild fans would absolutely hate to see a guy like Zucker who has been their consistent goal scorer these past few seasons, but he, his value is at his very highest right now. You could get a huge return on him. I mean, yeah, you take away some goal scoring, but Matt, you just never know what you could get from him. I mean, I don't be surprised if he moves. Although, again, it's I was really pissed off too for a number of reasons. Uh, I keep sorry for interrupting you. That's what I do. You know, it's what I do. Literally, yeah, it's it's literally like my my middle name, Andrew. Interrupt Faust. Yeah, uh, I was so surprised that they they didn't secure. You know. I always wanted those Islanders picks. I thought the Islanders picks in the first we, round. Can we talk about the Islanders? Yes. Okay, so Minnesota, you're off the table. You fucking suck. I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> hey, they could bounce back. They they could be the Washington Capitals next year. They can't. They don't have an elite player on their team. That is true. They don't. Anyway, so I want to Oh, actually, you... we're actually joined by another... Yeah, I saw I saw him creeping up around here for probably the... Uh, 400th time on our on our three years of doing this podcast, we get Kurt the Flores, our special guest, which Kurt? is always a treat to have him on the podcast. Hold Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold Kurt and talk the Islanders. So the Islanders, I'm I'm really excited for the scene in the future. Although I would really hope they sign John Tavares, but let's go let's let's go recap the draft. I thought they had the best draft out of any team. Uh, yeah, it was them and the Detroit. I thought had in, the second in Detroit. Match. Um, Which is they, interesting because Detroit never has good drafts. But for the Islanders, getting drafting guy like Oliver Wallstrom, who they are saying could be the next Patrick Line or Alex Ovechkin, and to get Noah Dobson that late in the twelfth pick, um, then to get Bodie Wild, who is supposed to be a f- late first rounder in the second round. I thought they did a great job, um, you know, at their draft this season, and um, but also like to add about. Barry Trotz hiring. I mean, how how crazy how crazy is that? You very rarely see that a coach wins the Stanley Cup and doesn't return to the team the next season. So, uh, you know, it's hard too. He he, you know, he was on his last legs after he left Nashville, went to Washington. He was one of the more underpaid coaches in the. Oh, look at Kurt the Flirt is in here. He wants to give some insight. He's, he's very happy. He wants some beer. Kurt, you can't have beer. That's not for you. Um, Barry Trotz left because he was completely underpaid. And their mm-hmm. offer to keep him around wasn't enough, which makes sense. They wanted to hire one of his assistants to be the head coach. You know what? It worked out for both teams. They're happy. They're happy for him. He went and got $4 million, uh, basically a almost like 175% raise uh, from Kurt. You're just smashing your face into the side of a bowl. Like, what are you doing? All right, but folks, I apologize. Kurt is uh, Kurt, Kurt is just being, being wild right now. But... You go back to Trotz. I, I, it's, it's no surprise there were rumors that he was gonna leave no matter what the Capitals were gonna do it at the end of the playoffs, whether to win the Cup or, um, you know, losing the Stanley Cup Finals, Conference Finals. But, you know, with uh, Trotz going to, to the Islanders and Lou in charge there, I, they, they're really, they're really doing everything they can to try to keep Tavares in there. Um, and we're, and we're literally, uh, Jeff. I don't know if you know this, but we're ten hours away from the Tavares watch. Gosh. So, then that'll be like my last question at the end of the podcast. Why don't you ask right now? Fuck it, do it. Where will Tavares sign? So, and the, originally I thought that no way he was ever going to leave New York. I thought he was going to stay there. Um, and there's all these teams that were thrown out there. You have Toronto, Dallas, uh, Tampa Bay, Vegas, Boston. Uh, Boston, Nashville. Nashville. You have all these teams thrown out there, but really it kind of came down to two teams, and it was San Jose mm-hmm. and Toronto. I don't Toronto. I just don't see it because the amount of money they have to pay him, 
On they top can't of, re- they can't re-sign all their guys. On top, yeah. Well, you have you have to give Matthews, Nylander, and Marner new contracts. I feel like if they sign Tavares, they may trade Nylander, which they don't want to do. But they feel like they, they, they might be they they may be put in a position where they need to trade Nylander for like a a big or for a top four defenseman, which is what they've been looking for. for I, I just don't see it working in my eyes. I, I don't see it working for a number of reasons. And for me, with Toronto Tavares would be really nice, but I like their team, and I think they're heading in the right direction. I don't think you need a Tavares. The dark horse team that I originally never thought was going to happen, but now I feel like is to me it's like if I would have chose like I choose like. A 60% chance that Tavares goes to San Jose. Yeah. Apparently, Pat Burrison really liked Doug, uh, Doug Wilson, who is the GM of San Jose's uh, conversation. Uh, there's a lot to like there. They have a good team. But you know what? They also have spent a ton of money. They I'm just, talking they have five guys who are under $8 million cap. They just re-signed today they, for eight years, $8 million, which I think is kind of an overpayment. To oh, me. my God. He, he was, to me, he was he was six over six. That's he, what I got. Six over six, yeah. And it's, but the one team that's like they're, they're, they're not in a lot of rumors right now, but I feel like he'd be the perfect fit would be Vegas. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I don't think they're entertaining. That's a problem. I don't even think they got to see at the table. Yeah, and, and, and for is, a lot of reasons. And you know what though? I think he looked at it as maybe a fluke season. Now, had they had gone to this to the Stanley Cup playoffs in their first year and then went to the Stanley Cup Finals their second year, I think the history would have said that. But I think he thinks it's a fluke. Had they have Eric Carlson to be a different story too. What, I see San Jose, man. I just I think yeah. it's going to come out. I think he's going to go to San Jose. And you know what? I don't think it's going to work because they have spent – because first off, Joe Thornton's going to have to sign for a million dollars or he's not coming back, but Couture is a lot of money. They still have not renegotiated Pavelski. Uh, Brett Burns is a ton of money. Mark uh, uh, Edward Vlasic's a ton of money. Evander Kane is $7 Martin million. Jones. Martin Jones. They have spent so much money, literally 50% of their cap on five guys. Yeah. And no team works that way. No. Especially a team that hasn't won it. You know, you look at teams who have won it, like Chicago did that, but mm-hmm. they won three fucking cups doing it. I don't know. I hate the idea. I, I don't hate it. Actually, good for San Jose, good for an off team that's not fucking Toronto who sucks perpetually and just gets free shots. Yeah. Like, good for San Jose if they sign them. You know, with the Islanders, too, I always felt like Barry Tross was coming on there because he knew he was going to test, but he knew he was going to get them back. Now, you have to look at this offseason with John Tavares. This is the best offseason that New York has ever had under him. Yeah, I agree. You hire a competent GM, way overdue, you know, and, and it might have been, you know, last chance, which sucks. They should have done it a year or two before. Mm. A great head coach. This is their first good head coach for John Tavares. Oliver Warsom, Dost, uh, Do- Do- Dobson, uh, like you said, Bodie Wild. Their prospect pool is actually for the yeah. first time in a while. Yeah. They have Matthew Barzell, who just won the Calder. Their defense was decimated last year. The one thing that I really get mad about, they don't have a good goaltender. I was just going to say that. And, and right now, it's kind of it's very slim pickings when it comes to uh, trying to trade or sign for a goalie right now. There's not very many options. How did not get Grubauer? That's the other thing, too. Like I look at – there are teams that I, that I see, like, Buffalo or Philly or the well, others who could have loved that to trade for a guy like Grubauer. Carolina had the deal. Did they really? Had the deal with an earlier draft pick, and Washington didn't want to give it to them because they're in their division, so they gave it to Colorado. Which makes sense. So, I don't know. I, I'm, 
I would love to see John Tavares sign a max contract, stay there with Barry Trotz, because I think they'd be a force. You get a defenseman. And you know what? They have the pieces in place to absolutely get Eric Carlson. Yeah. And, and, and I could see that happening, and that could be fun. They need a goaltender, and man, you know, but San Jose, San Jose would be kind of like the, you know, like the the wet fart in the room of a goal. It's like, who gives a shit? San Jose has John Tavares and Logan Couture. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, San Jose has had, honestly, four number one fucking centers the last 20 years, and they cannot win a cup. So John Tavares isn't changing shit for me in my eyes. They have Joe Thornton, who's a bona fide Hall of Famer, as their number one center. But in the in the waiting, Patrick Marlowe, who's been there with him the entire time. Now, in the last 10 years, they've gotten Logan Couture and Joe Pavelski, who have proven to be number one centers yeah. in that regard. Another center doesn't do them anything. Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing, too. Like, in my opinion, I think Thor needs to retire. I just I just feel like he's just kind of on his last leg, too. But he'll sign a one-year, $1 million contract to get a ride to see if he can win a cup. Right. And which, I yeah. That, which would be the, great for them, to have and, him sit and play whatever position they need him to. And I and I don't, and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Uh, you know, to me, personally, I just, I feel like, and again, you, I, I feel like Vegas would be the best fit for, for, uh, for, for Tavares. And here's why he I feel like he wants to be the guy he can definitely be the guy in Vegas and here's what it could happen I, I think if you sign a guy like Tavares I just a trade in my eyes that they could just try to do would be you trade William Carlson Shea Theodore 2019 first round pick to Ottawa for Eric Carlson Bobby Ryan take it I, I, I would do that because and you look at it on Ottawa's side you have Duchesne and William Carlson as your one-two punch down the middle. Shea Theodore would be like a, a poor with man. Cody Cece, yeah. With Co- Cody Cece. Their uh, number one pairing. Their number one pairing. You get another draft, 29. You get first-round pick that you you won't have next year. Um, but you, you also – that but that's it, you know, because of taking on the Bobby Ryan contract, which Vegas – you know, again, you, if you're Vegas, you got you got to swing for the fences too. If you want to ride this momentum, and I think in a, a guy like Eric Charles, Eric Carlson would change their decor dramatically because their their decor got exposed in the, the Stanley Cup final, and they want to have a game changing guy like Eric. Carlson. All right, so we're gonna end the podcast here real quick here because we're done with our time. Trade of the podcast? No trade of the podcast. We're gonna do that in the we're gonna do that in the off season podcast. Okay. Your your vote, Tavares. Where's he going? Ten hours to go. Nine hours to go. Where's he going? Pick it. I'll say Toronto. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna say San Jose. I'm gonna say he's gonna swing for the fences. Go with San Jose. Um, and we'll just find out. We're gonna find out in a couple days. We'll be back with our postseason end of the year, end of year three podcast. Uh, Jeff, great podcast. That's a really great pro- podcast. Um. Thanks so much for listening to the Purple Moose Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Faust, and my brother, Jeff Faust. Jeff, sign us off. All right, see ya. See ya. Catch you later, gang.